some people here recording the service and a couple of people observing. Uh, I'm glad that I practiced my sermons in my office for 30 years alone because this doesn't seem so abnormal to me. I'm used to going through it by myself. Might be a little strange for you. Take your Bible and uh, if you have it there and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is actually my favorite Easter passage. A friend of mine a number of years ago uh, and I were on a bus in Long Beach, California. We were with a group of pastors and uh, we pulled into this, there's a large aquarium there that we were going we were gonna visit together and so we, we all were getting off the bus and at the bottom of the steps, was another friend of mine who kind of surprised me. I, I didn't expect him to say what he was saying, but he was talking about some stocks that were just fabulous. He said, they've, he said they've got a, this, this investment has got returns that you cannot imagine. And so I said, well, you know, I'm no expert on that, but my friend Ken knows quite a bit about that, so he was with me, and I said, 
don't you tell, tell Ken and I'll just listen on. So he, he started talking about this investment. And Ken was kind of, you know, polite, but distant a little bit. And when we walked away, he said, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. And as it turned out, this was a, a scheme, not by my friend, but by someone else that he had trusted. And he had, he had talked to lots of people about this investment, friends that had lost millions and millions of dollars. And he actually lost his, lost his job over it. So I've titled today's message, If It Sounds Too Good to Be True, Is It? And that's really the message of Easter. Now imagine you, yourself financially, and you dug yourself in such a hole. Some of you can identify this with maybe credit card debt or other debt. You dug yourself in a hole so deep that there's just no way you're going to get out. And so you, 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 you kind of you give up. And if somebody comes along and says, it's no problem for me, I can get you out of debt, you probably wouldn't believe it. Spiritually, I know for me personally and for many of you that I know, you dug yourself in a hole spiritually. You can't imagine how many people, when I've talked about forgiveness, says, no, I, God could never forgive me. I've done too much. I'm, I'm too bad. I could, I could never be a Christian. I could never walk with God. Just, just too much. So let's talk about that in light of the Easter message that you may feel spiritually like you're bankrupt, like you did too much, too many bad things. But let's read the Easter message from Paul's perspective in this story about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers, I want, you to, I want to remind you of the gospel or the good news. I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved or you are forgiven. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received and passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. That's the gospel that we put our faith in. So imagine yourself spiritually going the wrong direction. And the first point I put on the outline here is full steam ahead. So the picture I get in my mind when I think about full steam ahead is uh, the old westerns. Remember, you know, I used to pay 20 cents for a matinee. So it shows how old I am. Pay 20 cents for a Saturday matinee to go see the westerns on, on Saturday morning and, or Saturday afternoon. And imagine this old steam engine train going down the tracks and there's smoke billowing out of the, out of the engine. And then it'll, it'll always show the, the, uh, the conductor. He's pouring, pouring uh, coal or pouring wood and the steam is, you know, driving the engine full steam ahead down the tracks. Well, life has been that way for all of us a few times. My friend Vern Streeter and I have a saying, whenever we see each other, I'll say, how are you doing? And he'll either say, I'm doing okay, or he'll say, my hair's on fire. <laughs> we, all, we all know what that means. It means you're going full steam ahead and you're just about, to, just about to explode. So I remember in my life personally, I was going full steam ahead the wrong direction. And 
then I had an encounter with God. But as I was going down the track the wrong way, I knew that the end of that was going to be my own self-destruction. I was on the wrong track. That all began back as it's recorded in the book of Genesis when, when God told Adam and Eve that they were not to eat from one particular tree. And it was just about a decision to follow God or not follow God. And so he said, if you eat from that tree, you will die. Now think about this. Death entered creation because of the decision of Adam and Eve to disobey God. It started them full steam ahead down the wrong track, and much of creation has been headed that way ever since then. So as we're going the wrong direction, then most of us at some point would say, hold on a minute. You know, something's, something's wrong here. I knew better, but as I was going that way, I wasn't paying much attention, but then one morning I realized, gosh, this is crazy. Hold on a minute. Let's rethink this. And it usually revolves around some kind of a crisis in our life where we finally realize, whoa, I, 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 better, I better rethink where I'm going. Paul puts it this way. He said, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, what I've earned by the life that I lived is death that entered creation through Adam and Eve. And we all choose to go that way. So we dig a hole and we dig a hole and we dig a hole until finally... Some of you might not be there yet, but many of you are, where you threw in the towel and you said, I give up. I know I'm going the wrong direction. Then when we throw in the towel, we realize that Jesus paid our price for us. One of the things I love to say to people, because they always feel like, I've got to pay for my sins. No, God doesn't want you to pay, because Jesus paid for us all. Paul wrote, in Colossians chapter 1, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. You might condemn yourself and you could justly look at the things that you've done and know what you deserve, what you've earned, what the wages of sin is death. But Jesus paid your price, and now you are free from accusation. Then he wrote in Colossians chapter 2, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Not dead anymore, alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations. That was against us, and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. It's like you had this paid-in-full sign. And Jesus nailed that to the cross. Your sins are paid in full. So the third point you might jot down there is your debt has been paid. I, I, I love to think about this. I, I don't remember when I first started thinking about it, but can you imagine as the crowds are yelling for Jesus' crucifixion? Can you imagine Satan and the demons of hell prompting the people in that crowd? Crucify him! Crucify him! crucify him. You know, he's, he's taunting Pilate. He's taunting the high priest. He's saying to everybody, crucify him, crucify him. And they're all yelling, crucify him. And then when Jesus died, 
when the price was paid, when it was finished, there was another roar that came from heaven. It is finished. Now, Satan brought about his own destruction by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, and he was cheering it on. But that different roar came from heaven. It is finished. Now the price has been paid. The way I said is Satan brought about, or God used Satan to bring about the means of his own destruction. And because of that, we got a fresh start. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. In other words, you can't, you can't work your way out of it. You worked your way into it, but you can't work your way out of it. But he's paid the price. So sin brought death into the world. The cross brought the possibility of eternal life. Then the third thing I'd like to ask you to jot down is, you want me to do what? So we're headed the wrong direction. Now we begin to rethink it. And now you want me to do what? And this is the most difficult thing about being a Christian for people is surrender. We like to make our own decisions. We like to go our own way. We like for life to be about me, myself, and I. But think of these words, throwing in the towel, surrender, yielding, submitting, kneeling, advocating, or abdicating. All of those things communicate, I give up. I'm not going to go my way anymore. I'm going to go God's way. Jesus put it this way, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what happens is we're headed full steam ahead on the wrong track. We begin to rethink it, and then we make a decision to yield to God's will, and we begin to head now the right way on the right track. So three statements I jotted down. One was sin, is, sin and its consequences are death. That's how you end up. The cross and its consequences lead to life. And the resurrection of Jesus sealed the deal. Now listen to these words again. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. Now, sometimes people say, well, why, why do you believe? Why do you believe in Jesus Christ? And I'll tell you what my, my, my answer is, because of the resurrection. You know, you can talk about anything else. You know, sometimes kids will go to college, and if they're not grounded in the scriptures, they can go to a class, and some professor can talk them out of out of believing in Jesus because he thinks he can dis disprove some Old Testament scripture. Our faith isn't based on that. Our faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I know that's radical, but let me walk through that for just a second logically. Those of you who are part of uh, Hope Center uh, know Ben Blakesley and his wife Jody. Ben was the pastor just before I came, and uh, he got a brain tumor, a geoblastoma, and uh, passed away. I had the privilege of being uh, in the bedroom when he passed away, and I could tell it was getting close, so I went down and got Jody, and she came up. And she was hugging him and kissing his face and, you know, 
telling goodbye. And suddenly he stopped breathing. And she turned to me and she said, I think he's gone. He's gone, but he's not dead. That's a wonderful thing to know that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that if we believe in him, we will not die. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never, never die. Do you believe this? Now that's radical, but we believe it based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he was raised, we believe that we will be raised. And if somebody, if somebody says, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised again on the third day, and he pulls it off, I'm going to listen to him. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty, good, pretty, good, pretty good truth. So when I go, I always tell people, when I go, don't, don't mourn. Uh, I teased the church a few weeks ago. I said, don't, don't let ginger burn me. I don't, I don't want to be burned, but don't mourn for me. I'm, 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 in, I'm in heaven when I'm gone. So how can I be sure? How can I be sure? Well, first of all, we have the assurance that Jesus said we would never die. And when he died... On the third day, you remember, the, you remember the stories, Mary and Martha went to the tomb. He wasn't there. Peter and the other disciples were gathered, and they came back and told them about it, said, he's not there anymore. A little bit of hope began to stir. Then the two men on the road to Emmaus were walking along, grieving about the fact that Jesus was gone. They were disillusioned, and all of a sudden, Jesus showed up and started walking with them. Then... Doubting Thomas, said, I won't believe unless I can put my hand in the scars in his hands. I won't believe unless I can see it. And then John chapter 21, where Jesus appeared to the disciples and said those famous words to Peter, do you love me? So you have all these examples of, well, why do we believe those examples? Well, I, I use Ben again. Jim, if I saw, if I saw Ben... And uh, I walked up to you and I said, Jim, I saw Ben. You'd say, no, no, Ben's gone. He's gone. I, I know he died. I went to his funeral. No, I saw him. And then along came Mike and he said to you, I saw Ben. How many times, how many examples would have to come to you and say, I saw Ben before you'd believe him. I, you know, if you, if you saw several of your friends that were eyewitnesses and you saw him alive, how many would it take? Well, here are the examples. Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector who followed Jesus, was uh, saved radically, and he wrote the Gospel of Matthew, what we call the Gospel of Matthew. It's just a, a little book that's a story about the life, hit from his perspective of the life of Christ. Then we've got Mark. Mark was alive when Jesus was alive on this earth. He traveled with Paul and Timothy, uh, carrying the gospel message around the world. He, he also compiled the stories that other people had told. Luke, Dr. Luke, says in the beginning of his book, I gathered all the evidence together, and I, and I put the story, he wrote, he wrote another letter. And there's consistencies all the way through there. And then John, who was the one who was closest to Jesus, he wrote the Gospel of John and the book, books of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. 
And uh, so we have these four people that were eyewitnesses to those facts. Then we have Paul, who was undoubtedly alive when Jesus was on, on, on earth. And he was a Pharisee. Now, we don't like Pharisees very well. But Paul was a Pharisee, persecuted Christians, and was dramatically saved and became a follower of Christ and went into the, the Greek and the Roman world spreading the good news of Jesus, starting churches all over the place. Here's my favorite one. Here's my favorite. James. James was the brother of Jesus. Jim, do you have a brother? You don't have a brother. Mike, you got a brother? You got a brother. Dana's got a brother. What would it take, Dana, to convince you that your brother is the Son of God? <laughs> That's kind of a riot, isn't it? That's the way James was. He wasn't a believer at first. We know that from the gospel that he wasn't a believer at first. But eventually, James came to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. James came to believe that his brother, Jesus, was that person and actually was, was killed for his faith in Christ. So what will it take for you to believe? How many witnesses? So what now? The fear of death is gone. I, I uh, at times get concerned about how I might die. I don't like to think about the process very well. I, we all say, well, I just want to go to sleep and go to heaven. Yeah, well, we all do. <laughs> we don't know how we're going to die. But I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me. And the second thing I want to emphasize to you, especially on this Easter Sunday, is who are the people in your life that you want to go to heaven with you? that aren't headed that way right now. Do everything that you can to be an influence for them. I've had the opportunity to lead thousands, lead thousands of people to Christ, and most of them I, I've not met. I've led them to Christ in a service time like this. But uh, I think I told a story recently in church about a woman that I saw outside of a restaurant. She rolled down her window and she said, Pastor Stan. And I turned and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, I'm a Christian because of you. Well, I know it's not because of me. But I had the privilege to talk to her about Jesus. And so I asked her, do you still believe? you still following? She said, yes. No greater feeling than that, that the people that you love are going to heaven with you. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment, if you would, please. And we have just a handful of people here that are involved in worship or recording the service. But uh, you and your homes this morning, most of you have probably made the decision to cross the line of faith, but undoubtedly there's some of you who haven't yet. And I want to just encourage you this morning. The gospel that we believe is that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and he was raised again on the third day. He is now the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and he's asking you to throw in the towel to give your life to Him and follow Him rather than going your own way. And you can make a decision to do that right now, and I encourage you to. And I pray for them, Lord, as they are making a decision right now. Yes, Jesus, I want to give you, give you my life. You've been headed the wrong direction, but now you want to get on the right track and follow Him. 
love you, Lord, and we give you thanks for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. We had a little trouble this morning. Uh, apparently, YouTube was a little slow getting online this morning. Probably everybody in the United States was trying to get on an Easter service on YouTube, but I think we finally made it, got it recorded. So uh, I pray that you would have a glorious Easter day. Keep praying for people. Keep encouraging people. Maybe, maybe call somebody today. We had a neighbor who uh, came over to our house the other day. Uh, her name is Annie. She came to see Ginger. and She said, if you need anything, just, just ask. We've got a lot of stuff stored up. And then, uh, I think it was two, two or three days ago, her, her son was outside. The doorbell rang. Someone was outside, so I went to the door. And her son was out on the flower bed in this little rock flower bed that we have in front of our house, and he was putting hearts. He, he cut out some hearts on uh, colored paper, and he was laying those all over the up and down the flower bed and then putting, putting rocks on them. And then much to my delight, he took one of those hearts and put it on this little rock bench we have out in the front, and he put some peanut M&Ms on there to hold it down. So <laughs> I was able to get a hold of those babies. So, so do something fun. Do something nice for people today. And uh, we sure look forward to the time when we can meet together again. And even for those of you who are watching that don't go to our church, I know you're looking forward to go to your church. So God bless you. Have a great Easter Sunday.